Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. I hope your day is going very well so far. Mine certainly is. I am currently in the Bay Area. I drove up here before I head up to Tahoe in a few days because I will be podcasting in Tahoe. The guys from Mind Pump are putting together, well, they've put together this podcast hard event and a bunch of really awesome podcasters are all going to be up there. It's going to be really fun. It's actually going to be my first time in Tahoe which I'm really excited about, which is really strange because when you grow up in the Bay Area like I did, it's kind of unheard of for you not to have been to Tahoe before, but my family has always had a cabin in a different area, so we just never went to Tahoe. And I don't ski or snowboard or anything. I tried once and it was an epic fail. That's a story for another time. But yeah, so I'm going to drive up there in a few days and I'll be there for the weekend and it's gonna be a blast. I'm very excited. I'm also excited for you guys to hear today's episode. I have a return guest, which I'm super excited about, my friend Caroline McGuire. She's been on the podcast before. Episode 105. If you haven't listened to it yet, definitely go listen to that. Great episode. Caroline is the creator of Caroline's Kitchen, which is a health and wellness website. She creates a ton of delicious recipes and gives a lot of great tips about healthy living. And Caroline is extra cool because she started all of this when she was in high school. And she just went to college. So we recorded this a few weeks before she left for college. And when this comes out, she she will have been in college for, I think, a month or so. And I don't know, it's so, it's so cool watching her go through this transition. And it's funny because, I mean, so I started this podcast when I was in college, and if you're a new listener, this podcast used to be called Actually Adultish, and it started with me and two friends, and we went into it wanting it to be a podcast for college-aged people. That was the whole idea of it, and then I, I mean, things happen, and it turned into what it is now, Over the course of two years, I've been podcasting for over two years now, which is crazy to think about, but it's, I mean, college is such an interesting time in your life, very transformative. I became a completely 
different person. I was not into health at all or wellness when I went into it. And Caroline is very much into health and wellness. And I'm just really excited to see all the cool things she does. And it, it was so, I don't know, it's always so sad when you say goodbye to someone when they're leaving before college. I mean, she's going to come back, but I don't know. It's cool watching her move on to that phase of life. But also weird because Caroline has never felt like, I mean, we were friends when she was in high school and she's never felt like she was in high school. She's extremely mature. She's just another example of how age is just a number. Um, So you would never guess she was in high school at all. People need to stop judging people based on their ages in general. I know so many people who are in high school and are some of the most intelligent, mature human beings. And likewise, I know a lot of people who are in their 50s and 60s and have not matured all the way. Far from it. So age is just a number. This is why most of my friends are like 40, except Caroline is the opposite. (laughs) Um, So she's amazing. I love her. This conversation is really fun. We talk about college life and that whole transition And we also talk about some of the research she did with UCLA. They were doing a study looking at sugar intake, low glycemic diet, some really cool research there. So we're just kind of bounce all over the place. We talk a bit about social media. It's a really fun interview. I always love chatting with her. She's one of my dear friends, one of the most incredible humans ever. And she has the best recipes on her website and I think now her her content is transitioning a little bit too as she transitions through this phase of life and has really great tips. I mean, if you happen to be in your 20s and are trying to figure out how to do things on a college budget when you're short on time, if you're living in a dorm, she is the girl to go to. She has great tips and is living it now. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this conversation and let's just jump into it. Welcome back to the podcast, Caroline. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm so glad I swooped you up before you head off to college. I know. How many days now? What's the date today? The 7th. Is it the 7th? I have... I can't do math. 15? 15 days left. Oh my gosh. 15. It's crazy. Yeah, two weeks from tomorrow. Tell me how you're feeling. Excited and a little anxious, but mostly excited. It's just, it's the biggest change I've made pretty much in my life thus far, but just in a long time, um, you know, switching from middle school to high school felt like a big change, but Mm -hmm. this is much bigger and I'm moving across the country. So I'm excited and just eager to expose myself to a new place and new people. And just, I feel like I'm going to learn so much about the world around me and also just about myself. So I'm excited for that. You are. College is such a big time shift. I feel like, I mean, it's very transformational. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I think everybody changes in college. I mean, personally, I had like a huge transformation. Like (laughs) you're like new person. I came out like a completely different person, total 180, but I think everybody changes to some extent, but also, okay. Cause tell people where you're going. I'm going to Georgetown and she's in LA. Yes. Um, but you were, like, pretty set on going East Coast. I was, yeah. Why was that? I just wanted to get out of L.A. <laughs> I wanted to try something new. We yeah. talk about this all the time, about mm-hmm. how L.A. is so great in so many ways, but it's so refreshing to get out and do something totally different. Um, I 
you know, I was born in Chicago, but I moved to LA when I was very, very young. So my life has basically been born and raised here. Mm -hmm. And there's so many ways that I think it's benefited me and I'm so grateful for it, but I just am so ready to experience something new um, and expose myself to just a different lifestyle, a different group of people, a different city. I'm excited that I'm still in a city. DC is not only, you know, the capital of the world, or not the world, the capital of the country, (laughs) um, but it's also just super international. There's a lot happening there artistically politically historically like it's just a hub of kind of information and Mm -hmm. opportunities to explore so I'm excited to dive into that and also just dive into a new way of life wait are you friends with Sarah from the cutting veg um I feel like I met her it was maybe at Expo West or an event I've definitely met her before but I don't I'm not friends with her I should totally connect you guys she's one of my really good friends and she's lived in DC she she just moved she just moved out because she's going back to get her PhD oh okay Um, but I'm sure she has recs she has so many recs she's like yeah she like worked she's worked in dc for so long and she has all the healthy spots and she oh, always yeah. tells me like oh if you ever come in dc i'll tell you everywhere to eat okay yeah so, i want that for sure yeah, actually, i've already gotten a lot of recommendations from people on instagram yeah. that i you know know i'm going to georgetown and they're like oh i have been to dc like here's the list of 10 places you need to go so mm-hmm. i have a list started but if i can add anything okay good also if you're listening to this yeah <laughs> and you know any places in dc please let me know send them over yeah okay well let's talk about like Let's get a little vulnerable here. Like, what are you nervous about? I am nervous. The one thing I do know about myself is I'm definitely a homebody. Mm. I like routine. I like being in my comfort zone. Not so much, you know, in every aspect of my life, but I think just I like knowing what's coming. I like planning and I like, you know, being in control of my schedule and Mm -hmm. what's happening. And college, I think a huge part of enjoying college is letting go of some of that and kind of being okay with adapting to whatever comes your way and being super flexible. Um, So I'm excited for that because it doesn't necessarily scare me, but I know that it's different than what I'm used to now. Um, So I'm excited and a little anxious to transform my life in that way. Um, And then also I'm super close with my family. Like my mom and my dad and my sister are my best friends and we spend a whole lot of time together. So I think that goodbye is going to be really, really challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of really great friends and family in LA or on the West Coast that it's definitely going to be hard to say goodbye to. But I think knowing that, I mean, everyone that I've talked to is so, so excited for me to go and says I'm going to love it. So knowing that everyone's excited for me and that it's all going to be here when I come back for Christmas and summer you know, I'm very, I'm anxious to leave it, but I'm also kind of comforted knowing that everyone's very much so supporting my decision to move across the country. Yeah, I remember, like, it's so funny because I feel like when you say, well, at least for me, maybe not everybody, when you say goodbye to people when you're leaving for college, you feel like you're never going to see them again. It feels like the end of the world. You're like, this is it. Like, Like, yeah, like, logically, you know you're not, but it just feels like, oh, my God, I'm not going to see you for so long. I know. Everything's going to change. And on some level, on some level, everything does kind of change, but it's not always in a bad way. Um, But you, like... you you learn that you can survive without them all the time Mm -hmm. but also it's like we have so much technology now that's true and 
you can like see what everyone's doing at yeah, every waking moment. You know, yeah. I'm like I would FaceTime my family all the time. Um, it was funny for me because well, because you're really close with your family. I was not close with my family at all. But then suddenly when I left for college, I was like, wait, I love you. <laughs> you're like, I love you guys. Yeah, I was like, I need to talk to you every week now. So oh we my became God, closer so once I left. That I don't think. I mean, my sister and I have always been so close. We've always been best friends. Mm-hmm. But I definitely like took for granted my time with her. And then mm-hmm. when she went away to college, I was like, oh my God, I need to talk to you every single day. <laughs> like I need to give you my life update because when you're at home you don't really realize like how much you depend on certain people but then when she left I was like oh my gosh like I no longer have my go-to person Mm -hmm. that I can turn to at any moment Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I was an only child and that was super weird and luckily like I'm best friends with my parents so it worked out very nicely but you know it was just a different dynamic and so I think yeah I think going away is definitely gonna kind of illuminate in some ways what relationships I truly truly value and what relationships I depend on the most because those are going to be the ones that I definitely feel like I'm missing yeah and that's the other thing like you said it's very eye-opening to what relationships matter because you know you don't realize when you live with someone you don't have to keep up with like staying up to date on what's in their life like it just comes naturally whereas when you're not living with someone anymore you have to go out of your way to like call them text them whatever update Mm -hmm. them on things and it's the same with friends like when you're not seeing them at school every day who's really going to be there and I know that was super interesting for me to realize like all these people who I thought were my best friends in high school I went away and it was there were only I only had so much time to keep up with certain people so I was like well I'm only gonna have time to reach out to x y and z meanwhile other people weren't bothering to keep up with me so I'm like well then I don't really matter to them and it's not like we dislike each other it's just like survival of the fittest in terms of relationships true and real I think real relationships and real friendships really will last the test of time Mm -hmm. the test of distance if they are meant to be like one of my absolute best friends lives in the bay area I don't see her that often but she still is like one of the people that I'm closest to and I have people that I see weekly or you know regularly here that I consider my close friends but it just once you move away it becomes very clear the people that you really feel like you still need to communicate with Mm -hmm. and the people that you were just previously seen because they were around but maybe that wasn't like your strongest friendship exactly and there are friendships where like I know I have I have friends who I can tell they feel like unless we're talking all the time we're not close yeah versus I feel like my strongest friendships are the ones where we can go so long without ever communicating. And then, and then when we do up see each other, we just off. pick up and it's like nothing happened. Yeah. Like, I have friends like that too, especially from like elementary yeah. school and even some friends from high school. I can go weeks or months without seeing them or talking to them. And then when I have lunch with them or, you know, see them, it's like I feel as though we've seen each other every single day for mm-hmm. the past month. And those relationships to me are so, so special and so important. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful for those. So yeah, I'm excited to go to college and, you know, find those friendships and also make some new friends. Yeah, you'll definitely meet new people. Yes. Um, which is a whole other... This was, Will this be the first time you've ever had to share a room with someone? I shared a room with my sister when I was really young. Okay. But that doesn't really count. It's different because since older. Yeah, since I was like 10, I've had my own room. So have you and your roommate talked about like what time you guys go to sleep what time you wake up and all those things not really to be honest you should probably we should probably hammer that out yeah because that can be a bit like if you that was like my first criteria with roommate I'm like 
they gotta have similar sleeping hours to me. Yeah. Because the worst is, because, okay, what, I feel like you wake up early and go to bed early. I don't go to bed early. I definitely am guilty of staying up way later than I should. I do wake up early, though. Well, I like to go to bed early, What time is late to you? During the school year, I was better about getting to bed. Like, I'm sure when I go to college, it's going to be this way, too. I was better at getting to bed, like, by midnight each night Mm -hmm. during the summer. I mean, especially my family just kind of runs late. We eat dinner really late, especially because the sun sets late. Like, Mm -hmm. things, I feel like in the summer, our whole schedule just shifts a couple hours forward. I stay up way too late. Like, Mm. especially now that I'm going off to school, I so love the time I get to spend with my family and my mom's a total night owl. So we'll stay up talking to each other until like 1 or 2 a.m. some nights. Um, So I should probably get more sleep. But, you know, (laughs) it's okay. But yeah, I definitely am an early riser. Yeah. You should probably talk to her about that just so she knows. Because it's like... I know. I remember the things that bothered me were just like having to I sound like such a brat like care about what someone else was doing it's like I wanted to wake up earlier but I had to keep the lights off you yeah. know so I had to, you be, have to like, quiet. be quiet and tiptoe yeah, and, yeah. Like, and that would just kind of I'm like oh I'm so annoyed that I have to like tiptoe around I have to get ready in the dark like yeah um that kind of stuff is inconvenient but totally I agree I do I like having my time in the morning mm-hmm. like just doing my thing mm-hmm. I don't want to be like on when I wake up you know I need yeah. time to like get myself together if I get the classes that I did request two times a week I'll have an 8 a.m class mm-hmm. so I'm inevitably going to be waking up pretty early yeah I think that college teaches a lot of people like to really value their alone time yeah. you know like I didn't realize how how much I'm a person that recharges when I'm alone until I got to college and I was like I go to class I'm surrounded by people I come home I'm surrounded by people like no I'm never by myself yeah um like It'll be, you know, and I think that what was helpful for me was figuring out my roommate's schedule so I knew when I could have the room to myself. And I also found a little spot on campus that was, like... That's a good tip, knowing, just like, when me. you have a long time yeah. in the room. Like, I, I think anyone in college, like, we... I was, like, okay, we all... And I had two roommates for my first year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, like, everybody had to print out their schedule <laughs> and put it on the wall. Put it on the board. Yeah, put it on the class. So I knew when people were in class so I could use that time if I wanted to be in my room by myself. Yeah. You know? That's smart. Yeah. I think that college is also really interesting because it's kind of the first time you see how everyone lives and how different people are. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's so eye-opening. And it's not the same as, like, going away on trips with friends. Like, because you see so many different people and, like, how they live and, like, what time they go to sleep and wake up and, like, how some of them never do their laundry and how messy yeah. people are and, like, how they're eating I am habits. a little nervous about that. I'm kind of a neat freak. Mm. And it's something that, like, in my house goes totally unnoticed because our home in general is just pretty clean. Mm-hmm. But that was one thing. I mean, my sister's... She's very clean, but she's... I'm, like, borderline OCD. Like, I need things to be in I order. Can, she's I a little more... you're yeah. clean. It, you know, it, it benefits me in some ways. My perfectionism is definitely advantageous at times, but it's also something that can be challenging. Um, but anyways, my sister is clean, but a more mild version. She's not quite as neurotic about it as mm-hmm. me. And even she, when she went away, was like, whoa, like, people do not live like us. This is going to be a shift for you. So she always tells me, she's like, Caroline, you better get ready because yeah. people are messy. People do not clean up after themselves. Like, your room is not going to be spotless. So... That'll be interesting because I like, I like, I feel like a clean, happy environment for me is like, it reflects how my mind feels. Like if I'm in a clean, organized space, I feel organized and I feel like I 
can tackle things and be productive. Like, I don't want to study in a room where it's a total mess. Yeah, so, well, that's, I don't know. we'll see. That's true on some level for like everybody. Like, I don't think people realize, you know, when your space is cluttered, your brain is cluttered. And whether yeah. that affects your productivity or just your emotions, there are so many people who like are angry all the time and cranky. And like, I'm like, if you just cleaned up your household space, you'd probably feel better. You'd feel more organized because yeah. it affects us on a subconscious level. But we're going to have to discuss temperatures, too, because I like it cold. Yeah. <laughs> See, I don't mind putting on a sweatshirt in the summer as uh-huh. long as it's cold inside. Yeah. All these things you should write down and be like, hey, I think we should have a roommate chat. <laughs> like, I think everybody with roommates needs to have this. Like, you sit down and, like, this is where it's hard because a lot of people have big roommate problems because they never had the chat at the beginning. So yeah. Because they didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And I'm like, this isn't hurting anyone's feelings. But, like, when you're living together with someone, you got to have some ground rules. Like, this is what's important to me. I need things clean. Like, can we agree on, like, you know, we vacuum X times a week. We we alternate taking out the trash. Like, you know, getting yeah, like, ground things. rules in that, like, people just take for granted that you don't even think about. And, like, I know for me, going into it, I was like, I need to have a list of what, what I need and, like, make it a conversation with my roommate. Like, this is really important to me. Like, how can we make this work? Because the once like the norm is established it's really hard to change because if you go, that if makes you sense go yeah. in and you haven't set any ground rules or they don't know what what you like like for all they know what if she's a neat freak right and you're a neat freak too and neither of you ever established that and she thinks that you know you're okay with things being messy so she doesn't clean so then you don't clean because you're like i don't I, I don't think she likes to clean either yeah and then it's dirty and neither of you ever We're both like it. miserable yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. that's, no, that's why good I, advice. That's true. I feel pretty good. I think we're on the same page in a lot of ways. So yeah, I think, I think it's, it's gonna be good. It's good that you guys know each other a bit before. Yeah. Um, but that, one of the perks of social media. Yeah, for definitely sure. Definitely one of the perks. Um, because sometimes the randoms can be a little sketch, a little sketchy. Yeah. But it'll be, it'll be a good experience. Are you? Do they have sororities? They do, but they're not big at all. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely does not drive social life i know people who are part of sororities i know people who are like i've never even heard of it i don't mm-hmm. see it at all um i think it just depends on the person yeah are you do you think you're gonna rush you know sororities and fraternities are so different at each school yeah. like my sister goes to a school where it is it it's everything you know mm-hmm. it's so big and so if you're not in a sorority it's like who are you mm-hmm. um where there's other schools where it's like it take it or leave it it's totally optional no one's really going to think of you any differently and it's a very small part of everyday life so i think i'm going to wait and see what the culture is like there i if i had to guess now i'd say no because going into the college process i definitely wasn't looking to be involved in greek life um but you know I'll, i don't want to like you know, say I'm going to do one thing and then change my mind a couple months later. So Mm -hmm. I think most likely no, but I'll wait and see. Yeah. Feel it out. I know it's so different at every school. Yeah. Um, the other thing, you know what I was wondering is like, what kind of studier are you? Like, do you you study well in libraries or do you the type of person who has to study in your room? I'm pretty lucky. I'm pretty efficient regardless of where I am okay like I'm lucky in the sense that I don't have trouble being productive so like if I have something I need to get done I'm good about getting it done I don't really procrastinate Mm -hmm. um I can put headphones in and be in like a coffee shop or someplace loud and just kind of get in my zone 
I prefer to be in silence or if not total silence, then just kind of a relaxed, chill place um, like a library or my room. But I'm pretty adaptable. Okay. So I'm not too worried about that. Yeah. I know that was hard for me because I'm the type of person who needs to be like in my room. Oh, really? Dead quiet. No, I can definitely do like library, coffee shop, like that's good. Common space. You'll be good. You'll be good. Um, I think the other thing like. I know people have been asking you about this, like, what's going to happen to Caroline's Kitchen? Which is honestly an annoying question. It annoys (laughs) me that people ask, I've been asking you that, but, like, let's just address it. Yeah, it doesn't, I try not to get annoyed when people ask me because I know that they're not asking me. (laughs) I know it comes from a place of curiosity curiosity, and also because they care about it, you know, and they know it's a really huge part of my life. So people are genuinely interested, which is very cool. Um, but it is, it's frustrating because I don't have an answer. Like yeah. if I did have an answer, I'd be like, Oh, like this is my game plan. Yeah. Um, and that's what I tell them. Yeah. Plan. I yeah. think for me, the way that I'm going into it is I know that my account is going to completely transform. Mm-hmm. And right now I basically post recipes that I spend a decent amount of time crafting and mm-hmm. perfecting. And then I photograph it in a way that I think is really cool. And I spend time editing it and I write out these captions and, you know, I take a lot of time and care to put into these posts, which is awesome, but that's just not sustainable in college. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to have my Sir Latob white marble slab with me in my dorm room yeah. and my natural lighting leaking in at the perfect time of day. <laughs> and I'm also not going to have a kitchen. So yeah. there's a few, a few things that are going to inhibit that process. Um, but I'm excited to see where it goes because I think it is a cool opportunity for me to reach a new audience and maybe tap into some spheres that I haven't really explored yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it'll definitely be become it'll become a lot more about convenience and ease mm-hmm. rather than like here's a Indian spice blend that you've never heard of that I am yeah. just experimenting with. It's going to be like all right, here's a meal that you can make with one pan in five minutes. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, so I'm excited to you know just dive into a bit of a different world and let my account kind of change organically as I change Mm -hmm. um I definitely don't want to be stressed out by feeling the pressure to maintain my social media presence in a particular way because I want to go and really enjoy college and just give myself especially the first few weeks or months to get acclimated and get into my own groove personally Mm -hmm. so I think that with that my social media will morph in a way that is natural to the way I'm morphing Mm -hmm. um so I hope that I hope that my current followers enjoy following me on this journey. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I don't want to set any expectations for myself about what my account's going to be because I think if I do that, it's going to put pressure on me to maintain that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going into it very open minded, just saying, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen. Let it flow. Um, so that hopefully that way there won't be any pressure to maintain a certain type of social media presence. Mm -hmm. I think that what you're going through is relatable for a lot of people who are using Instagram. Let's just focus on Instagram Mm -hmm. um, as part of their business, whether or not they're like going to college, but a lot of people go through this period of time where they maybe feel like they want to shift their content. Yeah. Um, And, or just, I don't know, I feel like I, I run across this a lot with people who are like, you know, I don't really want to talk about food anymore. I want to talk about this now. Or I don't want to talk about exercise anymore. I want to talk about this. But people are nervous to change because they're nervous about what's going to happen with the followers. But I think that, you know, for anyone listening who has that struggle too, at the end of the day, what people are discounting is the fact that most people who follow you are following you for you. Yeah, that's so true. Like, people follow me 
I think because they see a human behind the Mm -hmm. account, even though I do post photos of just food. So I'm hoping that as my account changes, what's going to stay the same is that I'm the one running it. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, you know, even though there's a couple less photos of smoothie bowls on white marble, Mm -hmm. maybe they'll still enjoy the content because I'm the one producing it. I think people will like it more because I think most people don't realize that their followers want to see more of them and more real life them and it like makes you more relatable that's so true it's that's why stories you, are so yeah powerful. so much more relatable and people want to see more pictures of you like the honest truth is like there are so many incredible recipe developers and like food people on the internet like you know i that's true i remember realizing this myself and it was really freeing and i, I remember like when i was first getting into this i was like i'm not gonna post that recipe because like someone else has something similar and it's way better like why would they want to hear that for me why would i talk about this topic when they could hear from so-and-so who's x y and z expert doctor whatever and then i realized people yeah people can get all this information from anybody but they want to hear it from me so like doesn't matter the, if yeah, it's a topic the that's been talked about. The chocolate chip cookie recipe. Like, like, let's do that that's example. That's so true. Everyone has a chocolate chip cookie recipe. And, like, and like people were like, I don't want to post it because, like, why would I post it when everyone else does? Well, because you, your followers are, are following you for you. They want to know which one you like. What do you do? That's so true. You know? And also, I think that people... Like, I definitely am guilty of this. I beat myself up because I'm like, oh, it's not original enough. Mm -hmm. It's not this. It's not that. And as someone who really primarily develops recipes for content, that is a lot it's something that I encounter a lot because I'm like, people have seen this, you know, Mm -hmm. they don't want to see it again. But I think for me, what I don't realize is how different it is. I think other people really pick up on those differences and respond to that. And Mm -hmm. that's what makes them follow certain accounts. For me, I'm like, oh, it's another recipe with sweet potatoes. Mm -hmm. But for other people, when they see a blog post and it explains not only how to make the meal, but the nutrition behind it, why I like it, the ways that I incorporate it into my meals, like, you know, and there's, it's this holistic picture of Mm -hmm. creating the recipe and, you know, why I created it in the way I did and how I enjoy it. That becomes a more individual experience. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's not just here's, you know, a recipe card for how to roast sweet potatoes, but it's, this is my method. This is why I do it this way. And it becomes this educational process too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just about what's on the plate. Yeah, exactly. I think also what's so funny is I think a lot of people get stunted with with that whole mindset. Um, And I remember that as well. And what helped me the most was like, I was like, I got to stop following people. Like, because imagine, okay, say you have a website and you're doing recipes and you think, what would I post if I didn't follow any other food bloggers? Like if I didn't see what anyone else was doing, would I be posting the exact same thing? Probably not. Because a lot of us hold back from posting everything we want to post because we saw someone else do it. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I have literally had a recipe in my drafts, like ready to go up in a few weeks. And you see someone someone with a hundred thousand followers more than me will post a very similar recipe and it's a total coincidence. And then I'm like, well now I don't want to post mine because it looks like I copied them, but I didn't. But you know, some of that happens. It's a I little think, inevitable. I think we all run into that, yeah. you know? And so that's why it's so much better just, like, keep your blinders on. Because the truth of the matter is, like, we follow all these people. And, you know, whether you're in food or, like, fitness or, I don't know, self-care. Like, everyone, when that's your thing, you're following a bunch of other people who are doing the same thing. So yeah. you're seeing what everyone else is posting. And then you're like, oh, they posted about it. But people who are following you are probably, maybe they're just following you. Like, maybe you're the only food blogger they're following. That's true. I definitely have a lot of followers that 
are not at all mm-hmm. food related and it's just random people that maybe they found my account through a mutual friend maybe they just saw it on their explore page one mm-hmm. day but for whatever reason they're following me and then all of their friends so I think that is the audience that that's so smart too. Mm-hmm. like keep that audience in mind you know keep exactly. the audience in mind that has never seen a recipe in their life yeah and just wants new fresh content exactly and that's why I think it's like for me I always get reminded of this whenever I go back home when I talk to like my parents or like yeah my sister my, or my, or my family friends and they're like oh I saw you posted this like I've never seen that before and I realize wow I'm the only person in the health space that they've ever even heard of yeah. or like follow like all these people who I think everyone knows about or every like they've never heard of mind body green or the chalkboard mags like who's Mark Hyman, who's Dave Asprey, who's Mark I know Sisson. I drop names sometimes Mark and people Sisson. are like, yeah, like who? who is that? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you I know? know, I'm like, Frank Littman is yeah. the king of health. Like, <laughs> exactly. what are you talking about? Exactly. Um, so it's easy to forget that, pe- you know, other people, it's like you're their sole source of information. So like, yeah. what you think is so basic, they don't. And I recently, I realized this as well. And I'm like, I think my blog content is going to change a lot for me personally, because I'm realizing there are so many people who follow me and read my blog who like I'm where they're going to for health information I want to go back to like basic 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 stuff that I assume like everyone else already knows and like I need to stop worrying about being so original and be like okay if I was just coming to a blog and this was the only thing I was reading what would I need to know yeah you know that's honestly such a good approach yeah I think that's so smart yeah um I think that well, no, I just I had something. I think it's, it's useful because you know you move into college, like kind of some of the things you're trying to figure out is just can be parallel to so many any type of transition yeah. in life. You know, especially because social media that's so true is a part of so many people's businesses. It's not just like moving to you know, and I think that people also forget about we stunt ourselves worrying about things when we forget this whole new audience you could capture you know yeah because that's the other thing about like showing more of like real life stuff and showing more of your face that people discount um there are so many well curated beautiful feeds on instagram and it's like in a sea of in a sea of that like how are you gonna stand out like mm-hmm. well no one you else to be yourself no one else can be you that's so true you know like n- like no matter how hard they try they literally can't yeah so the more you capitalize on like you no one else can take that away from you. Yeah, that's you know? so true. And I think that, like you were saying, you know, the transition to college is analogous to so many transitions in life because it's really just any big shift mm-hmm. anytime you're diving into something that's a little foreign and unknown. Mm-hmm. And I think that, at least recipe-wise, like, if I'm making a recipe that is really convenient, takes very few ingredients, and can be ready in under 20 minutes like that doesn't mean that only college people can make it you know Mm -hmm. that's like for busy moms that have kids with crazy schedules that's for people that don't really like to cook but they want to you know try some healthier food so they're trying something out for the first time it could be for someone that has crazy work hours you know it's food is food you know people can use it in whichever way they want so I'll filter it through my lens because that's what I have to offer and that's what I can share authentically but so many people will respond to it and then adapt it to their lifestyle Mm -hmm. so I think that for me is one of the coolest things about social media is seeing how the content that you put out is received in different ways like I could post one thing or one recipe and 20 different people make it and it they interpret it or 
you know, use it in totally different ways. And that's one of the most fun parts about Instagram for me is seeing how the content that I create then gets incorporated into other people's lives because it's always, and I love when people, some people get offended when they adapt recipes. Like I know people that are like, oh, so-and-so changed my recipe. Like I don't like it. When people message me and they're like, hey, I made this, but I added blueberries. Or hey, like I did this, but I did it with this frosting instead. I'm like, that's so cool. Like I posted a recipe a couple weeks ago for, a lemon pound cake and someone messaged me and was like I made it in a donut pan for my kids and like I morphed the glaze and did it Mm -hmm. this way I'm like that's so awesome like you just made your kids some really awesome donuts yeah and like little do they know that they're grain free and sugar free and you know but they think they taste unhealthy and they're satisfied so that's so cool (laughs) um yeah so I think that regardless of the content I create it's super adaptable to anyone's lifestyle Mm -hmm. so hopefully it's not going to be like oh you're not in college you can't listen to this Mm -hmm. you know it's it's really just for anyone who wants to learn let's take a quick break for a second because I need to let you guys know about this episode sponsor Four Sigmatic, which is actually very fitting because I first discovered Four Sigmatic when I was in college and we're talking about college with Caroline so you know it all fits in, but I found Four Sigmatic products when I was in college. I fell in love initially with their Chaga Mushroom Elixir Mix. And I really honestly just started drinking it because it tasted delicious and it was trendy. And I just became addicted to it and would have it every day because it tasted so good. And then I started learning about all the incredible health benefits. And then I was really hooked. And ever since, I have fallen in love with many more of their products. So if you're not familiar with Four Sigmatic, Four Sigmatic is an incredible company that makes drinking mushrooms and superfoods very delicious and easy to do with their full line of mushroom coffees, superfood blends, and mushroom elixirs. They have tins for at-home use and single-serve packets, so you can carry them around. And they're really, really easy to drink. All you have to do is mix them up with a cup of hot water or nut milk, or you can mix them into smoothies, shakes, whatever you want, but really, really delicious. I tend to just mix mine with warm water, and if I'm feeling a little more indulgent or fancy, then I will mix it up with some hot nut milk, especially coconut milk. It's delicious, and it's like a latte, and they have so many great products. They're also really high quality, and you guys know I'm very specific about sourcing. They're all wildcrafted or log-grown and certified organic mushrooms, so that is very important to me as it should be for you. Like I mentioned, Chaga is one of my favorite mushroom elixirs, and it is amazing for immunity, supporting immune functions. It has really, really high antioxidant properties, so I recommend that if you're looking to kickstart your immune system, especially now that we're kind of heading into flu season, cold season. I think it's really, really great to have chaga in your routine. My other most used one is definitely the reishi mushroom elixir mix, and I take that at night, and it's really, really calming, great for anti-stress and supporting sleep. And personally, I'm working on my adrenals right now and calming down, winding down, and I love to have this in the evening to help relax. It's really, really delicious. The lion's mane is also great for brain health and supporting your nervous system. So lion's mane is actually an all-natural cognitive enhancer that has been shown to support memory and concentration. 
So if you're a college student trying to support your brain health, then I would go for some lion's mane. You can get that studying on. They also have mushroom coffee mixes, which is a great way if you're going to have coffee. Well, first of all, I like to use these elixirs kind of to replace coffee, that habit, because it's easier on the adrenals. But if you're going to have coffee, I really, really recommend these mushroom coffees. So basically, it's coffee already mixed with adaptogens they have one that's mixed with cordyceps and chaga and one that's mixed with lion's mane and chaga so this is great because you can get the energy you want from your coffee but without the jitters so this is going to give you a more balanced type of stimulation you won't have this spike and crash in energy that's why i love the different mushroom elixirs they are great natural adaptogens and they have a mushroom hot cacao mix that I highly recommend you get, especially as we're heading into holiday season. So if you want to stock up, you can go to foursigmatic.com CRW and my discount code CRW will get you 15% off of anything on the Four Sigmatic website. They have a huge range of products, far more than I just described. Those are just a few of my faves. And if you are nervous about trying mushroom elixirs for the first time, don't be. They have like an earthy taste, but it's not just the straight mushroom or adaptogen. They, they add in a few other things like rose hips or mint to help balance out the flavor, which I love. And again, all really high quality organic mushrooms, which is very important to you. And these have incredible health benefits. These mushrooms have been used for centuries for the health benefits. And just now we're starting to get into them and I like this trend. I love my Four Sigmatic Elixir, so definitely hop on it. Again, you can use my discount code CRW for 15% off. Just go to foursigmatic.com slash CRW. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash CRW. And if you get some, let me know what you think. All right, back to Caroline. I think that like college content is some of the I wish I had realized this at the time. It's, like, so prime. Like, yeah. I remember feeling, like, when I was in college, you know, I started... Okay, I started my blog and my podcast when I was in college, and I went into mm-hmm. it with the mindset, like, this is going to be, like, for college students because that's who can relate to me. Um, yeah. And I almost felt limited by that in some in some sense, but also, like, okay, that's going to be, like, my niche. And I very quickly realized, like, people who were actually getting value out of this weren't college students because most of them didn't care at all about living healthy or whatever. <laughs> um, but most people who were following me were just, like, busy 20, 30-year-olds. Yeah. Who were like, I mean, it, this is a thing, and I don't care. This is, like, highly debated. I honestly think that there is no more trying time in your life than your college years because people who are in college are trying to balance it all like yeah like you're never doing so much in your life because you're doing extracurriculars you're in class you most people have a job or some type of or they're in some kind of extracurricular that's like a job whether you're doing research you know like Mm -hmm. you and you have this social life like you're much more social than you are any other context you're not surrounded by like you're thrown into this new place where you're living with multiple people and it's just like you're never doing so much. Like people complain about working in the. I'm sorry, being in the work field. Like I, I know it can be hard for people, but it's not the same thing as being in college because yeah, you're not also, college is also such a time of self discovery. Exactly. You know, like while you're juggling all those moving pieces and being pulled in so many directions, you're also just trying to figure out what your deal is and who you want to be and you know what resonates with you mm-hmm. and what speaks to you and what path you want to take. And there's 
there's so much pressure, but it's also so exciting. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a fun time. Yeah, that to me, honestly, I'm excited for college because I'm excited to go through the experiences and have the moments that are going to build me for a later period in my life when I am more settled and mm-hmm. I am more like, okay, I have a job. I live in one location and I'm not so frazzled and running all over the place because I know that college, like, I at least think for me, it's really going to be kind of the stepping stones and the building blocks to where I'm going to end up mm-hmm. or at least part of it. Um, so I think that I'm excited to kind of be in that zone of I don't really quite know what I'm doing because mm-hmm. it, I feel like that's a necessary experience to have in order to get to a place of more stability. Absolutely. Okay, I want to have this on, I want to ask you this on record because yes. then when you're out of college, we're going to see how things have changed oh, because boy. we know it will. Oh, boy. But right now... And this is, like, the worst question, but it's kind of fun in this context, I feel like. Okay. Right now, what do you feel like you're, like, out of college, your job might be? Oh, boy. That's a hard one. Um, I've always been the kid, like, literally since I was born, that was, like, I have no idea what I want to be when I grow up. Like, Mm -hmm. I've never given an answer to that question. Mm -hmm. It's, like, the question that every kid gets a thousand times. Mm -hmm. And I've always... I've never even had a phase where I like thought I wanted to do something particular. I will say I'm going to study business. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the business school. That's one thing that I am super grateful for Instagram for and for Caroline's Kitchen is I had no idea that I would want to study business before this all happened. Mm -hmm. Because as much as this is like not a full running business, you know, it's introduced me to the ideas of marketing and operations and entrepreneurship. And those types of things are... I feel like they're words that when you're younger, you just hear that like entrepreneurship, finance, and you're like, what does that that even mean? mean? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I think that those to me were growing up a little daunting because it was kind of like this vague gray space where I'm like, I don't really know what that means, but I guess it could work. But now I feel like I have a much better understanding at maybe not so much. I don't have it figured out, Mm -hmm. you know, but I have I have a grasp of the concepts enough that I feel like I know that I'm interested in it. So. I am studying business. People ask a lot, are you 100% set on working in the health and wellness sphere? And the answer is no, Mm -hmm. definitely not. I don't want to limit myself in that way um, because as much as I am super passionate about health and wellness, I know that that passion is going to be sustained through my life regardless of if it is apparent in my professional career. Mm -hmm. Like I'm always going to love to cook. I'm always going to be trying new health trends and, you know, experimenting Mm -hmm. in that way. But my job might be totally separate from that, you know, and I might get just as much pleasure and satisfaction and fulfillment out of that job if it has nothing to do with health and wellness. Because if I keep those two separate, like that's fine with me. I'm Mm -hmm. very comfortable with that. If the two do merge and I do end up doing something in business that also is part of that world, that's awesome, too. Mm -hmm. But I'm definitely not dead set on it. So. I don't, that's not a very good answer. I don't no, that have is, a solid answer. I think that's but a great business. answer. No, that's a great answer <laughs> because as far as I've what will be cool is like, that's just like your mental state right now, right? And then you can look back on this in four years and be like, well, that's so cool. Like, yeah, I know. For maybe me, in four years I'll be like, thank God I didn't work in health and wellness. Or maybe in four years I'll be like, that's crazy that I ever thought I yeah. could do anything else. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I know like for me, I love looking back and thinking about, oh, during that time, remember I was like leaning towards this. I thought I was going to do PR. I thought I was going to do X, Y, Z. I mm-hmm. thought I was going to do makeup like and I, I just love like seeing the evolution of how I thought I think it's cool yeah um so I, I agree. think it's just g- cool to see like that's your your state of mind now and it'll shift all during school and then like kind of what you end up doing and even watch like four years I come back and I've like done pre-med and yeah, I'm like maybe. Off to, I'm off to law school that like something totally that could, totally happen. that could happen and the whole thing with like 
everyone is so different where I think some people to be happy, their job, like some people to be happy, their job should have to do with their personal interests. Some people, once they turn their personal interest into their job, start to hate that personal interest. Again. That's so true. So I don't really know what type of person I am yet, which is why mm-hmm. I want to keep it open. Yeah. Cause I can see myself being either. Yeah. You got, I mean, people got to test it out, you know, yeah. like I think if you start like, um, I don't know, you start, maybe start working in your field of what you think is your favorite thing and then that starts to become mature and you're like, no, 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 now I'm losing my love for it. Now yeah. it's feeling like work. Um, you know, you test things out, but I just, I don't know. I think it's cool. I'm excited to see everything you try. Um, it's going to be crazy. I am really excited about business though because I feel like that's, it's something that I know I really like, but it's also comforting for me because it's super flexible. Yeah, like, you can do it. Studying, a, having a business degree can take you in a thousand directions, which for me is a very comfortable place to be because I'm super indecisive mm-hmm. and I'm very like, I don't know where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like if I was in just the College of Arts and Sciences and I was picking like, okay, I'm going to study European history. Like that's so specific, mm-hmm. you know? And so many people say like your college major doesn't even matter. You know, your mm-hmm. job will morph. But I kind of like that I'm giving myself the room to adapt and you have a very wide array of options when I do graduate yeah business is useful for I mean literally every single job has to do with business that's so so true yeah it's so flexible yeah you're good um do you think that you want to do any like research like I know you're doing research at UCLA before yeah so I just wrapped up some research in nutrition at UCLA um that had to do with chronic diseases like type 2 diabetes um, and obesity and how they related to the glycemic index. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was super fascinating. It was a really eye-opening experience because it taught me so much, not only about blood sugar, which has become a huge part of my life and Mm -hmm. about what I talk about on Instagram and in my recipes because it's something that personally when I started eating less sugar, I noticed such a huge change and so many areas of my life I want to talk to you about that too because I think I feel like I've kind of noticed a change in you too (laughs) like you've never been like a high sugar person yeah you've always been health conscious but I feel like recently like within the past six months I feel like you're very like like on the low sugar train yeah I think I think part of it is because I'm so fascinated in the science behind Mm -hmm. it yeah like I am a science nerd at heart and I love learning about that type of stuff Um, and also I just noticed, like, I'm never, I'm not the one that's like, I will never eat sugar in my life again, but just in my day-to-day life, like, even if it's natural sugar, you know, even fruit, coconut sugar, maple syrup, whatever it is, I've noticed that when I eat less of that, it really does have pretty profound effects on the way I feel. And for me personally, I'm really lucky because I don't like sweet things. Mm -hmm. Like I'm always eating 100% cacao chocolate. I don't really like fruit very much because it's too sweet. So oftentimes if I do have the choice between something sugary or something without sugar, I'll always choose the no sugar option. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a question I get a lot. People are like, well, how do I eat like you? How do I reduce my sugar cravings? And I'm like, I'm just lucky. Like I just kind of don't like it very much. Um, So part of that is you know, just that I am not inclined to those tastes. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I am. My research at UCLA was definitely very enlightening for me um, because even though I am not 
type two diabetic or obese. I don't struggle in the same way that a lot of the clients did. Um, I think just learning about how sugar is metabolized and the different effects that that can have on you short term, but also long term really inspired me to kind of see how I felt when I reduced my sugar Mm -hmm. intake. Um, so, you know, I've been experimenting with, and, you know, I still love recipe developing and flavor, so I want it to be something that's really approachable for people. So I've been using things like monk fruit, things like coconut sugar, which is low glycemic, you know, just trying out different ways that we can satisfy that sweet craving without actually having the spike in glucose in our Mm -hmm. bloodstream. Um, because I think that people can definitely feel satisfied and like they're eating dessert and they're eating something really indulgent without having something that's going to totally spike their blood sugar like Mm -hmm. crazy. Um, So yeah, it's been something I've definitely been experimenting with in my recipes. And I just feel like my energy is so much more stable. My sleep is better. My, you know, even mindset is just a little clearer. I mean, I'm sure that that's all a placebo as well because you know no, who I knows if that's really having profound effects but I think it counts like it's yeah. the little it's a little thing I actually remember like I remember the first time like well when I went over to your house and I mm-hmm. remember saying yeah and I remember you were like I could tell you're like this girl is crazy because I'm like well I wouldn't have that protein powder because that's sugar in it I wouldn't have that nut butter because that's sugar in it and it's all these little you're like it's just a little bit I don't care and yeah yeah it's just a little bit but I know for me if I have a little bit here, a little bit there, it's like one gram. I it's just that sweet taste that yeah. that's like makes me sugar hungry, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it also, it, I mean, just the taste alone can spike your blood sugar. Yeah. Um, which is interesting, and I'm curious if like you feel like, I mean, since that time, I feel like you've reduced like some of those those little amounts because I think that those little yeah. amounts can affect people. Yeah, I think my taste buds have changed a mm-hmm. lot, which has been the biggest conduit of that. The research, I'm sure, also influenced me because I think the two kind of went hand in hand. Mm-hmm. As I was researching and learning about blood sugar and as I started to reduce my sugar intake because of that, not necessarily because I was like, I'm never going to eat sugar again, but more just because it was like a self-experimentation mm-hmm. thing, I all of a sudden realized I didn't even like it anymore, you know? Yeah. So like all those nut butters that I used to eat that had maybe a tablespoon of maple syrup in it or something, or even like the healthy desserts that I used to like to make, like I eat them now and I'm like, whoa, can't do it. Like way too sweet. Like even dates, ingredients that I used to love Mm -hmm. just don't really taste very good to me anymore. And it's a funny thing when I'm recipe testing because my taste buds have morphed so much that I have to have my family test desserts or smoothies or anything like that because I honestly don't feel like I'm a very good judge because I prefer things so much less sweet than others. Mm. So when I give my parents a recipe and they're like, this is delicious, this tastes like real cake, I'm like, okay, awesome, I've got it, I'm sold. Yeah. Um, and you know, the last, I feel like for some reason in the last couple of months I've gotten into a groove where I've I've really been into testing desserts, I don't mm-hmm. know why. Um, I think just because I've had success and when you have success with one thing, it's fun to like morph that recipe into something new. Um, So I've been baking a lot and doing a lot with that and experimenting with ways to make it low sugar or no sugar Mm -hmm. because I've noticed that my followers respond to that a lot. And I think it's definitely an area that people are curious about. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's been a lot of recipes in the past couple of months that both I and my family have enjoyed Mm -hmm. and my friends and everyone I've shared it with. So that to me is like a win-win because I'm like, I think it tastes good and others. So it must be really good. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, I have 
so many like all my no sugar like my ebook my no yeah, sugar desserts yeah, yeah, yeah. like and those are like not even like stevia monk fruit nothing no, those right have nothing yeah so those See, have no sweet you start to appreciate the yeah. natural sweetness of things like to me coconut butter tastes oh, like it's frosting. frosting yeah yeah but like all of those like when i'm recipe testing I'm like, I can't test these because I eat this and I think it is so good, but I need someone else who mm-hmm. has normal taste buds to see if it works um, because I'm so biased, you know? And like, it's like, that's why I mean, yeah. you know, I have like stevia or monk fruit to me, it's like too much because I'm just so accustomed to that and it's crazy your taste buds mm-hmm. can change. Um, but I think it's good that when your taste buds change because then that will push your followers to try lower sugar things and appreciate that yeah as well um but i think like maybe you could share with people some of like what you learned about really what's good like how that can affect your health too yeah so a lot of what the research we were doing had to do with chronic disease Mm -hmm. and the relationship between sugar and chronic disease and a lot of the studies that we were looking back at for like background information for developing our studies um, we're showing that in a lot of people, when you have this prolonged tendency to spike your blood sugar constantly, you know, this is very basic stuff, but mm-hmm. I feel like maybe some people don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, it's good to go back to basics. Um, yeah, so when you spike your blood sugar continuously, especially over the course of like months, years, lifetimes, your body becomes insulin resistant because Mm -hmm. your body releases the hormone insulin to try to digest all that sugar. But when your blood sugar is going up and down like crazy, it almost doesn't know how to respond anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it gets used to that crazy pattern. And so your body stops digesting it as efficiently as it should. Mm -hmm. So if you're a really healthy person, doesn't eat a crazy, crazy high sugar diet, and then you have a cupcake, your body knows how to metabolize that. Mm -hmm. Like you're not going to die. You're not going to like have brain fog because you ate one cupcake and you can't, you know, be productive the next day at work like that's not at all the case but over years if you have these blood sugar spikes constantly eventually it's going to really start to take a toll and the way that we see that happening is a lot of times with just really basic symptoms like you know it could be brain fog less productivity things like that that people may not even notice in their Mm -hmm. everyday life but then it also definitely is connected to things like alzheimer's type 2 diabetes for sure that's really essentially how it develops um and obesity and the crazy thing about obesity is that that is then related to so many other diseases you know cardiac arrest can happen um just chronic diseases that people hear about and think like oh I'm never that person Mm -hmm. you know I'm never gonna have those problems because it's like the things that you think are eons away yeah well Um, things also but it's really it's the choices you make now that can affect it that's the issue is like it's a lot of things that people just think like oh it's just it's like random if that happens to me maybe I'll get a heart attack maybe I'll get Alzheimer's like these things that they just think oh I'll just deal with that when it happens and because but because it's hard to find a quote cause when it's not as clear as like oh I fell I broke my arm that's why I bro- like so that's why my arm's broken it's more yeah. of like I woke up and I I mean I have Parkinson's today like what caused that there's no clear like trigger yeah um we have to look way further back yeah things like what have we been doing throughout our lifetimes which relates back to like have you been eating a high sugar diet yeah you're in, in your lifetime. Um, but what I'm curious about is, like, in your research, what do they define as, like, low sugar, high sugar, low glycemic, high mm-hmm. glycemic? Yeah. So the research I was doing was very specifically tailored to low glycemic diets versus mm-hmm. high glycemic diets because it was totally tailored to um, the 
intervention. Mm -hmm. It had to be very, very specifically calculated nutritional information because Mm -hmm. we needed it to be as uniform as possible. So they were basically eating like packaged meals or things like a slice of bread, like where the nutrition information was readily available. Mm -hmm. Because if we say, okay, I have a scoop of rice, like that could mean a very small portion of rice for one person and a very large portion of rice for the other. So we really had to give them food that was pre-measured, pre-packaged, the work had already been done. Mm -hmm. Um, So for the low glycemic, the meals that we would give them were a lot of things like, you know, a brown rice stir fry with vegetables and chicken or their breakfast would be maybe um, a no sugar yogurt with um, some almonds or something like that. You know, just things that are naturally lower in sugar, whereas the high glycemic group were eating things like white bread, white pasta, white pizza with cheese, you know, just Mm -hmm. things that are very simple carbohydrates that are going to be digested super quickly. Mm-hmm. Higher glycemic fruits like an apple, whereas maybe the low glycemic group was getting an avocado. So after, you know, extensive work that I was not involved in, but luckily the UCLA nutritionists handled, they were able to create two diets that were calorically and macronutrient-wise very, very similar, mm-hmm. nearly identical. The only thing that varied were the glycemic levels of the foods. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we found, my kind of specific topic that I dove into was how low glycemic versus high glycemic diet impacts body composition. Mm -hmm. So we had what's called DEXA scan, um, which is basically like a massive Mm x-ray, but it um, measures the adiposity and where fat is deposited in your body. So it's like an x-ray, but for fat instead of bones. Um, And we looked at particularly the visceral fat, which is a region of fat in your midsection, which is a very prominent area for people that do have type 2 diabetes that's usually where the fat develops and you Mm -hmm. see that more and more with people that are on the track to diabetes if they don't have it already um so I was really looking at that and just different regions of fat in the body and seeing how that was affected by I think it was a 12-week intervention um of one of the diets and when all was said and done the people eating the low glycemic diet had significantly better improvements in body composition um and then the people with high glycemic diets either kind of stayed consistent, which means they stayed obese because all the participants were um, obese Mm -hmm. based on their BMI, or they actually gained weight and got even worse. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. and But also where it gets tricky is like, I feel like we have so much research like that is super valuable, but then it gets more tricky. And this is kind of what we were talking about earlier when it's like, how is that different in populations? Like what if you were doing that same study on everyone who ate like paleo yeah and then you're like yeah that's so true does does high glycemic in the context of paleo Paleo, yeah affect your body composition the same way low glycemic would you know Um, yeah you can keep narrowing it down mm -hmm. and like you know going through the funnel and you know Mm -hmm. getting more specific and more specific and I think that's super interesting you're right yeah what I liked about this study in particular was that the diets were identical calorically. Mm-hmm. So that is like a hard evidence. Like, hey, it's not just a matter of calories in, calories I out. Know. Like you can eat the same number of calories and have very different effects on your body, which is why like an avocado that's 200 calories does not eat a chocolate bar that is 200 calories. Mm-hmm. Those are not equal. Exactly. You know? I love that. Yeah. And I think people like, I don't know how to hammer that into their heads <laughs> anymore. Um, but I think that's super valuable for people to understand and like... I mean, people need to see that. But then the other part of it was, because we were talking about this earlier, like, the limitations of studies as yeah. well. Because um, I'm sure, like, you know, doing research opens your eyes up to, like, 
how crazy research is. Yeah. yeah. And how like how inconsistent it is. We were talking about this before. I'm like, I can find a study any which way. Like just because there's a study behind it doesn't mean it was a well a well put together study or like yeah. that they interpreted their data correctly. Um, like there's some studies that are skewed and that's why in the health space it's really unfortunate that so many people are saying, Well studies show X, Y, or Z and I'm at the point where I'm like that I means li- nothing. Yeah, I'm like, I, you can find a study exactly. that shows anything. You can find a study that shows that sugar is the best thing you can put exactly. in your body. You know exactly. So that's why I'm at the point, and like I've gone into fights with people. I mentioned this <laughs> on my stories. I was like, you know, having studies like as evidence is helpful, but at the end of the day, I don't honestly put my most stock into studies. I put my most stock into like what are people experiencing in their bodies. Yeah. Um, because sometimes people are outliers. Sometimes studies aren't well formed and sometimes like studies don't show at all and i also think that there are so much that can't be controlled yeah in an, you know there's so many Just like totally mental stuff like you know things that we can't even explain mm-hmm. fully like you know um and i think that people should honor that more so than studies because i think that there's a there's a limit to every study i agree for me when i was looking at various studies because a lot of the time that I spent in the lab was really just looking at other studies and seeing what that showed and seeing if I could find connections and correlations between the work that we were doing and things that were already out there mm-hmm. um and for basically the two things that I looked for was number one who's funding the study mm-hmm. because if the you know American Cancer Society is funding a study they may want to make it look like something either prevents or promotes cancer or whatever in some way to benefit them. Mm -hmm. Or if, you know, any big corporate foundation is funding a study that you just have to be cautious about Mm -hmm. and you have to make sure, because there's a difference when doctors are running a study versus researchers at a certain university in a certain location versus, you know, big like businesses. It's just, it really depends. Okay, I definitely agree. And then what was the other thing you looked for? And then the other thing I looked for was, aside from just who's funding the study, who's participating in the Mm -hmm. study? Because, number one, the number of participants is really enlightening. Yeah. If if three people participated in the study, it's probably not a great indication that that's, like, a super hard piece of evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, But also... Like, for example, I came a lot of across a lot of studies where it said so-and-so promotes weight loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was some diet that maybe was calorically low or it was varied in macronutrients. And the people that they were doing the tests on were obese men that were between the age of 40 and 50 that showed signs of prediabetes. <laughs> yeah. And they were putting them on, like, a diet that was super high in greens, high in fiber, high in fats, really low in any processed foods. And it's like, it doesn't matter what that diet looks like. It's better than what they're probably currently eating. So yes, of course they're going to lose weight. Does it mean that it was like the exact number of grams of fiber that they were eating that was causing them to lose weight? Probably not. It was probably just because they were eating a healthier, balanced, you know, intake each day. So, you know, I think science is awesome. I'm a huge supporter of doing the research and looking at studies and trusting the science that's out there. Um, but I think it's just important to be a smart scientist when you're looking at studies and think about what possible limitations they might have faced in conducting mm-hmm. these studies and where does the study come from? Because 
I don't want people to be overly skeptical and think all yeah. science is wrong. I'm just going to take matters into my own hands because there's a lot to be learned from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's just important to not take absolutely every fact as the truth because if we did do that, it's like listening to every Instagram account. Eventually, there's contradictions yeah. all over the place. And so you have to just like take it, digest it, understand it, and then, you know, take or leave what you want. Yeah, and I think that goes back to how you're saying how important it is to look at the participants. Like, for instance, this is part of why I'm so passionate about women's health and women's nutrition. I'm like, all these studies have been done on men. Yeah. And so how are you going to tell me that what works for this, like, overweight, um, you know, 50-year-old man is going to work for, like, a 20-year-old hormonally challenged female it's just totally different and so i think looking at the participants is so important i think that you know like you said who's funding it like coconut oil gate you know that whole (laughs) issue Um, yeah and also like how people are defining their variables like how we're talking about people throw around the terms high carb low carb but what does that actually look like or you know what 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 is low yeah high (laughs) what were the diets actually looking like like i was telling you how when i had to write the paper about ketogenic diets almost every single study was none of them were doing a keto diet with real food Mm -hmm. it was all packets yeah like packets and i'm like like yeah how can you be sure this is going to translate into a real food ketogenic diet yeah um so looking at how people are defining their variables and also looking at like people say like x promotes this or x increases this and look at like the percentages like was that by was that a one percent difference Mm -hmm. that that caused or was that like a 75 percent increase because because the one percent increase they can still say it promotes something versus a 75 percent so it's just about like reading reading the words and you know taking some personal personal accountability and then beyond that i think sometimes people read studies and they say well this study shows this but I'm experiencing something else in my body, but the science says this, and they're not honoring themselves. Yeah. And it's like... You're your own best guide. Yeah, the science can still be really valid and really on point and great, but if your body's telling you something else, that's okay, because maybe you're the... Maybe you would have been the outlier. Like, there's no study that I know that's 100% of population got this result. It's always, like, 98 at the most, right? I agree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, but I think that's really helpful, and those are good tips for people who are, like wanting to read i think people are becoming more aware of the fact like i should look at the actual study yeah before and it's I the same with accept. science and it's the same with really anything you read online mm-hmm. like just the internet in general just know where it's coming from mm-hmm. and know where they're pulling their information from because it's really easy to read a piece of information that says this is the healthiest food in the world mm-hmm. at you know no one can make that claim we don't have enough yeah. knowledge yet to make that claim um so yeah just take everything as valid but not necessarily true for you like everyone's different everyone everyone's bodies function in such a different way so you know the study isn't necessarily wrong it just might not apply exactly 100 to you yeah and that's also a really interesting way to look at like when we talk about you know just don't just copy whatever other blogger is doing it because that blogger sometimes people are just putting out information And they're saying this is the right way to do X, Y, or Z based on their own personal experience. Well, that was a study of N equals one. That was a one-person study. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Um, So just take N equals one. Yeah, take that into consideration. Yeah. You know, it's like remarkable to me how many people don't really think about it in that because... Somebody will just follow what their favorite blogger posted works for them, but then they if they saw a study that was like a study of one person, they'd be like, "That's not valid." Yeah, well, that's it's so the true. Same thing. Yeah, you know. Also, like 
if one person's like, I just ate this meal and I feel great, they could eat the, the same person could eat the same meal the next day and be like, I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we are changing yeah. as people every day. Everybody's yeah. changing. Everyone is in a different place every second. Mm-hmm. Nobody's the same. Like, we got to just, you know, that's, I think, my least favorite part about Instagram is just the really, really, really high, intense level of comparison that it breeds. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it's becoming more of a talked about thing I think people are now promoting like hey this is what I'm doing doesn't mean that Mm -hmm. you should be doing the same thing like I'm just sharing it to share my experiences and I think that's really important just as a general reminder like you know Instagram is such an awesome powerful tool to inspire to create a community and I love it I mean Mm -hmm. it's such a huge part of my life I use it daily but just don't hold yourself to certain expectations because one person did it on Instagram Mm -hmm. you know I think that is Great advice in a great way to wrap this up. That is I love solid it. advice. Well, thank you for hopping on. I'm very excited for you to go to college thank and see you. how things change. And I'm excited. Yeah. I'll come back in a couple months and maybe I'll be like a totally different maybe person. Maybe you will. Maybe we'll be in New Caroline. I can't wait to get the update. Yeah. We'll have to get the update and um we'll have to go back to Erewhon together absolutely <laughs> always yeah always always it's gonna be go back to Erewhon. um tell everyone where they can find where all of find your recipes me. and you all right instagram handle is caroline's underscore kitchen and then my website is caroline's dash dash kitchen two dashes it's a little weird <laughs> double dash. um yeah dot com and that's also linked through the bio on my instagram account so that's the easiest way to find it and all of my recipes are there amazing so that's it amazing thank you again for coming on thanks for having me on i'm so glad that caroline came back on the podcast and that we got to sort of record where she's at where she was at right before she went to college and i definitely want to have her back on after she comes home so she can update us on what's gone on over there how her adjustment has been make sure you check all of her content out she is on instagram at carolines underscore kitchen and she also has all of her delicious recipes on her website carolines-kitchen.com all information will be in the show notes again huge thank you to her for coming on and i want to have her back If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with people and please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. It really, really helps me to get the word out about the show, helps other people find the show and just takes a second. It means a lot to me. And if you haven't already, make sure that you are in our Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, so you can meet like-minded individuals, chat about episodes. It's amazing. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. I now upload twice a week and subscribing is totally free. So hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss a new ep. That's all I have for you this time. I hope you enjoyed it and I'll talk to you again next episode. Bye.